0: Well, good morning. Thank you for being here on this last Sunday of 2020. This is our 87th service in eight days, so appreciate you, you being here. And those of you who have joined us online, uh, there is something sweet about being together. I find myself, no matter what the occasion, just getting to see and look one another in the eye. Uh, God does something with that. And so thank you again for joining us. Well, this next week is really, uh, the, it's a week where people normally take time to reflect and to look back. And I've talked to a number of people who have said, I am not looking back at this year. I am looking full steam ahead at 2021. And I'd ask you to consider just a pause before we look ahead to 2021 and that we would actually look back. But uh, there's a passage that has just been on my heart for us to have in mind as we look back before we move forward. This comes out of Luke chapter 24, uh, near the very end, Luke 24, verses 44 through 53. Let me read this. He said to them, this is Jesus. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. I would suspect... That many of us, and and I'm going to talk prior to 2020, uh, we enjoy, I would say all of us, enjoy a disturbance or a disruption to some level. I I mean, I I think about, especially for the kids in here, I mean, is there anything better than a snow day? Even during 2020. I mean, our kids, they had been home for months and, and they got a snow day. And it was like, it was like the greatest thing that they'd ever experienced. Now, parents, on the other hand, as you're working, that was a different story for us. But, you know, snow days, there's something about them. Or there are, um, just a few months ago, we had a bird in the sanctuary. Nobody heard the sermon that day because a bird got into the sanctuary. It's a disruption. Or a few, it was a few weeks after that, uh, we actually had a bunny make it all the way into the women's restroom here. Now, that's an accomplishment because you have to get through 17 doors to get into the women's restroom here. And I, know I, okay, I haven't tried, okay? I've, I just, anyhow, it's because I used to clean out there when I was a teenager, all right? Just please don't have that be your takeaway from the message today, all right? That's how we wrapped up 2020. Nathan tried to get into the women's bathroom. But a bunny got in. And, and I suspect nobody remembered anything else that day either. See, we, we like a disruption, When I was in in Spanish, freshman year at Columbine High School, uh, this kid showed up for for school, and his eyes were as big as plates. And he went, listen, I'm not ready for this test. And he huddled a few of us. He said, I'm so not ready, I'm pulling the fire alarm. (laughs) And I went, there's no way. He did it. He did it, didn't get caught the first time, pulled it a second time, three times within Spanish class. The whole school had to evacuate. I mean, he is a hero. He deserves a medal, if you ask me. See, those kinds of disruptions are, they're fun. But then when a disruption is so big that it disrupts values and, and convictions and beliefs and ideas and ideals and relationships, it's not so fun anymore. I can't help thinking about a year ago, Christmas Eve, You, some of you were here, you remember, it was our early Christmas Eve service, a fire alarm went off. And uh, I know you all enjoyed that, but when, when you've planned the service and you've worked on it, suddenly a disruption's not so fun. One lady, uh, on, once I got out there, she said, you got done with your sermon, the fire alarm went off, and you, you just kept going. We were waiting for you to tell us what to do. And I thought, if you don't know what to do when a fire alarm goes off in a building, I cannot help you. And so while everybody else remembers it and enjoyed it, I, uh, I didn't enjoy it as much, you know, because it's different. It's a different level. 2020 has been a disruption, hasn't it? 2020 has disrupted relationships. 2020 has disrupted our economy 2020 has disrupted um, our, our, our nation on so many different levels, our world on so many different levels. And so I can think of no better passage than Luke 24, and here's why. When we get to Luke 24, verse 44 through 53, the disciples are on the heels. They are fresh out of having their lives absolutely disrupted. And it was a disruption that still to this day is the greatest disruption in the history of the world. And that is incredibly good news for you and I because you know what it means? It means this disruption, as large as it has been in 2020, does not have the final say. That there is something, there are, there are a few takeaways that I want us to, um, as we walk through Luke 24, the end of it there, I want us to see a few different things that, that I believe jump off the page. There. there are some thoughts to send us into this, this next week to maybe reflect on because we are definitely walking through a disruption. But what happened, what happened when our heavenly father sent his son to this earth was the single greatest disruption that has happened in the history of our world. It disrupted the cycle of sin. It disrupted the direction of everything. And it disrupted your life and my life for all the best possible reasons. And so I'd like to walk through Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53, and just pose a few questions. And whether you write them down or you decide to reflect on all of them this morning, would you consider these as we look back at 2020 before we move into 2021? Let me dive in at verse 44. Read this again. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Now, I'm just so captured by the wording here because Jesus says, this is what is written about me. See, a lot of times we read our Bibles the way maybe the disciples did. That when we read our Bibles, we think of ourselves, don't we? And that's natural. You know, you wake up in the morning, who do we think of first? Ourselves. Stomach, hungry, food, eat, feed me. What am I gonna do today? What are my plans? You know, we get really, really centered around ourselves. So it's easy to read scripture and think, well, that's, that's all about me. And it has to do with us. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for us, right? But it's easy to think we're the main subject of All of it. It's really easy to read that way. In fact, we're going to take communion here in a little bit. I am, I am just astonished by Luke chapter 22, because you know what happens after the very first communion, the last supper? Luke chapter 22, after Jesus has done this incredibly symbolic and powerful thing that, that represents what he's going to do at the cross the next day, you know what the disciples do? It says, they began to argue about which of them was greatest. Isn't that something? Here, Jesus himself has just served communion, what we know as communion, the Last Supper, and they're going to argue about themselves. And I can't help thinking that as Jesus says, you know, what is, what is said in these Old Testament books and in, the, in these Old Testament writings is about me, I can't help wondering which, which episode must have crossed his mind. And probably so many of them, and there are so many episodes, but I, I couldn't help thinking as I read this, thinking about Joshua chapter five. If you grew up in church or in Sunday school, you know the story. Joshua is headed to Jericho with an army. There is a battle on the way. And in a Joshua chapter five, it's interesting, they're a couple of days out from Jericho, and Joshua looks up and he's he's a general he looks up and he sees a man standing there with his sword drawn. Now, if, if a man is standing there with sword drawn in front of a general, one of two things is going on. Number one, somebody has broken the rules because you never approached a general with a drawn sword. Or second, this was an assassin. And so Joshua said to this man that we would, we would learn a few lines later, a few sentences later, is an angel of the Lord. He says, are you for us or are you for our enemies? We would word it, are you for us or against us? Now, before I get to the angel's answer, isn't this what we do? 2020, isn't this where it's been very easy to go? We look around, we've got an opinion and we've got a stance and we've got our people that line up and agree with what we believe and see things the way we see them. And we look around and we go, are you on my side or are you on that side? Now here's what's fascinating in Joshua chapter five. See, Joshua, Joshua interpreted what God said differently than is so easy for us to do. And was so easy for the disciples to do. Instead of thinking of himself, Joshua learned something in this encounter. Because the angel of the Lord to the question... Are you for us or for our enemies? Are you for us or against us? You know what the angel said? Neither. Neither. The New new American Standard Version of the Bible, you know what it is? I I love this. Are you for us or against us? And the angel said, no. You ever ask your kids, you want a granola bar or do you want fruit for a snack? No. You know what that means? I'm not thinking in your terms. I'm not thinking in your terms at all. And as you follow the conversation, what you realize is that this angel has shown up, this representative of the Lord has shown up, not to say, Joshua, I'm gonna be a part of what you're doing. I've come to find out, are you part of what the Lord is doing? See, isn't that what we get mixed up? We tend to read scripture and think, well, it's it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. And it was certainly written in a way to nourish us and and to extend beyond the actual real-time event that was happening, to speak to us, to feed us, to nourish us. And yet what comes up in Joshua chapter five and what Jesus is getting at here is not not us saying, Lord, will you be a part of what I'm doing? But rather, will will we be a part of what he's up to? I'm convicted of this every week. I'll get to, sometimes God gives me the, the incredible blessing of the message, the sermon being done on like Wednesday. And I'll go, wow, it's, it's great. It's perfect. Lord, don't touch it. Just don't touch it. Lord, be part of it. Just don't touch it. This is what we do. God, I want you to be part of what I'm up to on my terms. And so a question, number one, am I asking God to be part of my kingdom? Or am I seeking to be part of his? See, 2020 threw that up in the air, didn't it? Human nature, sin, throws that up in the air, doesn't it? But whose kingdom is this about? The passage goes on. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Now, this is really, really interesting to me because these are guys who have walked with Jesus for about three years. For three years. You think if they were around Jesus, they probably got, they, they got a little bit um, exposed to scripture and what God had to say? Absolutely. And yet here at the end of all of it, after Jesus has been crucified, after he has risen, then? Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? It makes you wonder, so what was going on that whole three years? And if he opened their minds, then their minds had to have been what before? Closed. Closed Closed-minded followers of Jesus. How interesting. How interesting. But it's then. Then. And I think there's something so incredible about this Passage. I've just been caught up in it over the, the last week or so. Because as I read this, I'm reminded of, of what Scripture does. It's living and active. That is, they no doubt knew some Scripture, some of them maybe more than others, and had, had some background in it. And yet they understood it in a different way after Jesus opened their minds to it. You see this throughout Scripture, don't you? Remember we talked a few weeks ago about Joseph, Jesus earthly dad? I mean, he he finds out Mary is pregnant and he knows. He knows what scripture says about it. He absolutely knows. And yet it's because of the spirit of God. It's because of the spirit of God that he was able to rightly interpret the word of God. Saul, who we would later know as Paul, remember he was pharisee of pharisees. He knew his scripture. He had sat under somebody that was considered maybe the greatest of teachers. And remember, he understood it one way and after an encounter with Jesus, suddenly he interpreted it differently. He understood it differently. And there is something about that change of heart that I think is worth paying attention to and us reflecting on. Because too often, you know what we do? We get our convictions and I am set and nothing's going to change it. Not even God himself. And so there's a second question for us to reflect on. Has this year defined me, defined us, or refined us? See, at the point that we decide that an event, any event outside the death and resurrection of Jesus defines us, we are in for a tiring journey. I mean, isn't that what we saw throughout 2020? You know, there was a shutdown, and then we we decided where we landed on a shutdown. And then there was social unrest, and we decided where where we landed on it. And then there were masks, and we decided where we landed on it. There was an election, we decided where we landed on it. And it's very easy to define ourselves by things, events, occurrences, people, outside of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know what this would tell me right now? Guys who walked with Jesus for three years, he comes back around to them and it says, then, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I mean, I think back to this year and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily tell you all of my plans when it comes to looking at the calendar and preaching and stuff like that. But the latter half of the year 2019 and the beginning of 2020, we really had this underlying theme of living by faith not by sight. And, and you remember at uh, the beginning of this year, we, we had a few different series that we went through. Clockwise, you know, how do I view my time? How do I live by faith with the time I've been given? We had when right now is in the rear view and we looked at the life of Peter. As he reflected back, what does it mean to walk by faith and live by faith, not by sight? Jonah, we talked about Jonah. In fact, the very week we shut down, I believe the place we were in in Jonah, he was inside the belly of a whale. And I thought that was timing right there, for sure. And we got to early summer. We talked, we, we explored Hebrews, a couple chapters in Hebrews, and this idea of just being over it, absolutely over it. Now, at the beginning of the year, if I were to tell you those things were coming, We probably would have understood those things as stuff to fill the Sunday calendar throughout the year, right? And yet, when an event happens, like a disruption, isn't it true we understand scripture differently? See, this is why the word is living and active because you read it and and you experience it and you chew on it and then you go through some things and then you experience it a little bit differently and God's doing something in the heart with it. And then we got to this last fall, and we began to talk about identity. What is our identity? You know, when you come to Jesus, it means something for your identity. And we talked about what what God actually did, what was in place before we ever began, before we had a birth date, God was up to something in this world, long, long, long before we ever got here. Then we got the squirrels. Because oftentimes, don't we look to these squirrel distractions to tell us who we are? And so we walked through what some of those distractions are. Solving Waldo. We talked about, well, what would it look like to have an identity, as we looked at the life of Moses, an identity shaped by God? What are some things that he uses to shape us? And then finally, as we've talked this last month, Christmas. And the whole idea behind that is, is to get the focus off of ourselves and look at God and say, who is he? Who is he? And when, when you go through some things, you begin to experience this stuff differently. We understand the scriptures differently. He opens us up more and more. And yet for them to understand the scriptures there, what had to happen? This disruption, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if that defines me, then every other disruption, you know what it means? Every other disruption that we come across can refine us. If the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ defines us, then every single other disruption we come across, whether it's personal or global and everything in between, God can use it to refine us, to speak his word to us over and over and over. Well, let me continue through the passage. A third question comes up. Luke 24, verses 46 through 49. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. In other words, you have a testimony. What is a witness? A witness gives testimony. We know that from our courts of law. A witness has something to say. He's saying, you guys are gonna have something to do here coming up. And, and if you're anything like me, and if, and if they're anything like us, we'd be standing there probably raring to go. Like, wow, we watched you die, and now you're back, and now you've got something for us. Jesus, there, there is nothing you cannot do, so let me at him. Hence the next thing Jesus had to say. Verse 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Do you want to know why he had to say stay? Because there is an impulsivity about us, isn't there? We we want to either charge back into the past. Isn't that the phrase that you've heard throughout all of this, throughout 2020? When we get back to normal, when we get back to normal, we either think let's go back to the way things were or we want to charge into the future. Let's put 2020 behind us and 2021. And what Jesus says is stay. Some, some versions say, Terry, Terry, wait. Wait on God. I mean, I think about our dog Max constantly because as soon as he just, some dogs are more food driven than others. As soon as there's food, you immediately, it's, well, wait, wait. You bring it down an inch. He's after it. Wait, wait, wait. It could just be bad training by the owners too. I'm just just saying. But this is, this is us. There's an impulsivity to us. We want to run ahead. And so there's a question. Our past. Our past. I mean, you think about these disciples. You think about these disciples early on, right after the crucifixion. What was Peter trying to do? He was trying to go back. Trying to go back to normal the way things were. So is our past something to get back to? Or is the past something that God may be used to bring us here to prepare us for going forward? Because the world has changed radically in 2020, hasn't it? There may be some things we never get back to. There may be some new things that look completely, completely strange to us, but that might be what we move toward. Finally, the passage, verse 50, says this, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, this part, I have flown through this section dozens of times. But there was something about this that I, I just couldn't help just revolving around. And it's this idea of where do we work out the disruption and what it's doing inside of us? Where are we working working out the disruptions and how are we doing that? Because if I think about me, just me personally, you know, we we work it out and we, we landed an opinion or a stance, you know, maybe in the classroom. Or, or with neighbors in a conversation outside. You know, we work out our opinions on social media, but is that something we're working out in the sanctuary? Whether, whether you physically are in the sanctuary or, or it's the sanctuary uh, of your own home, what I'm really getting at is the sanctuary of our own heart. Are, are we working out the disruption that 2020 has been in the presence of the Lord, in a posture of worship, I mean, I'm so struck by David, right? I I mean, so many of the Psalms were penned by King David. And You want to know what you see in the Psalms? Is David working out every single situation of life that he came across? And he's working it out and he's working it out. And there's this really interesting thing in the Psalms that you can open to any of them. Some of them start high and they dip down and they end high again. Some of them start low. But every single time, where does David end up? David ends up in a posture of praise and worship. Every single time. Are we working it out with the Lord? We work it out with human beings. And again, we find our stance, we find opinions, we find allies, we find maybe enemies. But are we working it out with him? If all I ever do is work it out with human beings, you know what happens? I'll lose my amen and i lose my hallelujah. And what was meant to make a point is suddenly lacking peace, the peace that surpasses understanding. Paul, think about it, a thorn in his flesh. Paul's got this thorn in the flesh and he says, God, would you remove it? No. God, would you remove it? No. God, will you please take this away? No. And Paul wrestled it out with God. He worked it out with God. Jacob, he wrestled with God. And you know what? All of them came out of it with an amen and a hallelujah. Here are the disciples. They've had their lives disrupted. And here they are in the presence of Jesus. And what does it say? They're praising God. So how and where am I working through the disruptions of life? I guess I say all this because this really landed me in a different place than I've been for a lot of 2020, but for the grace of God. And it was simply this, that Jesus' death and resurrection means life has the last word on any and every single disruption we come across. And that's something you got to remember after a year like 2020, in the midst of a pandemic and social unrest and an election year and you name it over and over and over. You wanna know what Jesus' word is? Life, life. The single greatest disruption in the history of our world, (laughs) it ends right here. Luke 24, in Luke, at least where Luke ends it, with life. His word is life in the midst of something that was so disruptive. And so as I think on that, I can think of no better way for us to finish 2020 as a body together than to take communion. I hope, I hope you were able to uh, grab a communion cup and wafer on your way in. And I'm gonna invite Graham up here. And um, Graham is just gonna, he's gonna play for a few moments here. And I'd invite you to reflect. As you think on that last supper, As you think about Jesus knowing he was going to his death, remember that the last word, the reason he was going to his death was life. Life for you and for me. And if that is the disruption that defines you and me, then any other disruption we come across, it can serve to refine us over and over and over. It might mean having to revisit what I think I what I think I know, even if that's God's word, and saying, Lord, I just wanna work this out. I wanna work this out. I wanna work this out. And I'll tell you what, when that happens, when that happens, you will come out of it with the last word being life. And you'll have an amen and a hallelujah to offer to everyone around you. And so, would you reflect on that? And then we will... We'll walk through that communion passage together and take communion together. As you look at the elements in your hand, a wafer, bread, cracker, represented, representing the body of Christ, broken for us. Juice representing his blood poured out for us. Let it be a reminder that it's his kingdom. I didn't die for it he gave his life for this kingdom and the best thing we could do is say lord rather than saying you come be part of a a little part of my kingdom i want to be part all of me part of your kingdom as you look at the wafer and the juice let it be a reminder that this this is what defines us as followers of christ And so when we partake in communion, we come back to that. This is what defines me, what Jesus did on my behalf at the cross when his body was broken and his blood was poured out. And so God can use everything else to refine us and point us back to the thing that defines us. As you look at the wafer and the juice, be reminded of that moment when nothing would be the same going forward for the disciples and for you and I, when we entered into a relationship with Christ, that there might be parts of the past that, that we just cling to and we hold on to. And let us be reminded that ultimately, the one piece of the past that we cling to is this. And Jesus said, remember, 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 do this in remembrance of me. That's what happens at communion. And finally, may communion be, as we read this passage, may this be a reminder that we can work out the disruptions in his presence, in a posture of praise and worship and come out of it with an amen and a hallelujah. Let me read from Luke chapter 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly, catch that eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God after taking the cup he gave thanks and said take this and divide it among you for I tell you I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes verse 19 and he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take that bread together. In the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let us drink from that cup. last week would be a reminder that because of Jesus death and resurrection life is the last word on any and every single disruption you and I can face let me pray heavenly father heavenly father thank you thank you that after a year of uh, so much flying past our radar and we get caught up and we go chasing after Thank you that you're a God who you 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 allure us and you woo us back. And you pull us back and you bring us back to you to remind us it's not my kingdom, that's not power that I want or that I could even handle. And I know that could be said of any of us. None of us can do that. It's your kingdom. And so, Lord, would you recenter us on that? As we look back on 2020. That uh, it it may not be going the way I would like it to look if it were my kingdom, but it's not about my kingdom. It's not about my will, it's thy will be done. It's thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Thank you that you remind us that as big as 2020 has felt and all the things that have gone on, none of it is a disruption that defines us. Instead, you refine us. You refine your people, you refine your body so that we could be used by you in this world. Lord, I pray that whatever, whatever life looked like before, whatever we may be trying to get back to or run ahead to, would you remind us to just stay, to stay in your presence. Would you keep us there as we finish 2020? And finally, Heavenly Father, as we've said multiple times, Lord, we want to work this out with you so that whether we agree or disagree with anybody we come across, they would see, they would praise you, we glorify your name in the midst of all of it. Thank you that life has the last word because of the death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.